is time for Stan Crimes. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and we are continuing talking about the anime adaptation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, with episodes three through five today. I'm excited to get to this episode. We were originally going to do three for the previous, but man... There was so much to talk about with the first two, we just had to call it there. <laughs> yeah, with these these three episodes, we're we're starting off with the Nijimura Brothers Part One. Uh, we're we're immediately starting off with Jotaro back at the hotel, uh, talking to Speedwagon people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as usual. So the very first thing he's telling them is just like, uh, "Hey, okay, yeah, so we de- Angelo's been dealt with. Mm-hmm. We're good." Angelo may not have been murdered, but he might as well be because he's a rock now. Uh, <laughs> and he's just eternally doomed to to be there forever. Mm-hmm. How many times have has Jotaro and friends called up Speedwagon Foundation basically gone like, yeah, we just killed a stand user. Okay, all right, bye. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, we're just a, a governing body that's a li- just has a license to murder people with stands if need be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On the one hand, cop shows that don't have like formal cops, they mm-hmm. you you lose the institutional baggage that that yeah. comes with them. So so it's a lot less like. Uh, uh. But on the other <laughs> hand, you also lose the the at least nominal capacity for control and oversight. <laughs> yeah, like I just keep imagining that the, Joe Taro has a wallet that just has like Speedwagon Foundation license to kill in there or <laughs> yeah. something. He's fucking James Bond or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's some, like, rule of the Speedwagon Foundation that basically anyone who associates and helps a Speedwagon Foundation member is also allowed to murder certain people. <laughs> and that just that just smooths it out. There's way less paperwork. Joseph hated that. So, yeah, he, he's reporting in and asking for, like, his next case, basically. Yeah. Uh, but then we, we flash back to some post-rock stuff that uh, <laughs> that didn't come up in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. The, the Lord of the Rings extended edition uh, uh, <laughs> version of events. So, yeah, Jotaro, when he was on the phone right before this flashback, was, was saying, oh, I'm going to stay in Moria longer, actually, because Angelo, thanks to Angelo, I've got a, a new lead on a different case mm-hmm. it's a new lead on this photo that the Speedwagon Foundation found in Egypt 10 years ago. He's just got photos for days, this guy. Oh, yeah. He's got a full photo album of people to punch real hard in Morio. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're, get, we're getting the extended cut of Angelo getting beaten up and turned into a rock. So after he's been turned into a rock and, and with his stand is still like trapped in that, that rubber glove, that, mm-hmm. that dishwasher's glove. He starts giving dire warnings about yeah. a mystery man coming to kill Josuke. You know, if they thought Angelo was scary, this guy's even scarier. He just calls him the, the guy the, the guy in the school uniform. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you a story all about how I how I got my stand. He's suddenly very cooperative now that he has nothing else to do today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Angelo did not have uh, a stand originally. And mm-hmm. and Jotaro's been wondering about this, and he he tells Josuke that like yeah there you know we fought this guy named Dio ten years ago, and it was a whole fucking thing. But that guy did not <laughs> used to have a stand, and we have no idea how he managed to get one. Mm-hmm. The way this flashback starts though is the camera pans up to to the sky to find a, a dreary version of the Simpsons opening. <laughs> yeah, that's that is 
really what that looks like. And then the camera pulls back and we have been transported in space and time because we are yeah. inside the, the barred windows of Angelo's jail cell. Another cool transition. So yeah, Angelo, about a month before his execution, you know, it's just nighttime. He can't go to sleep and he thinks he sees a shadow pass by the door to his cell. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there's just a dune of a really big dude in a high school uniform just in his cell with an ancient ass bow and arrow and he just (laughs) fires point blank this arrow straight through Angelo's open mouth and it goes out the back of his neck. You would think that maybe like being able to teleport or or something like it is related to this man's stand power. I come from the future and I can assure you it does not. (laughs) No. Not in the least. He's just really, uh, I don't know, he's a magician on the side. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, a- Angelo gets shot through the, the mouth with this this arrow, uh, mm-hmm. and he doesn't die from it. Like, he looks real fucked up from it. It is pretty fucked up. He says, quote, it was like my balls crawled into my stomach. <laughs> yeah. And, and when Angelo is shot with this arrow, there's tons of colorful like shock waves that shoot out from him after he's pierced by the arrow after a few seconds he he comes back to life like his his eyes roll out from you know the back of his head mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and this guy that shot him is just like oh hey good job you you didn't die so <laughs> that means you must have the talent i am looking for this arrow now that i've shot you with it uh has given you a new ability it's the stand and he, he even says straight to angelo the the ability you got is what a man named dia once called a stand and the more wicked the criminal, the more power he holds. <laughs> yeah. You don't get much more wicked than Angelo as, as it, he has been yeah. described to us. Yeah. And so the whole reason Angelo was cooperating and telling them the story was that he could very slowly make his stand flop around the glove and try to crawl into a kid's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> So he could hold him hostage and have Josuke uh, unfuse him from the rock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Josuke's not going to do that. He'll murder somebody for a crack about his hair, but not to save a child from suffocation. Nope. Instead, he will whip out his switchblade comb <laughs> that then wipes across the frame, uh, masking a cut. There's a comb wipe. Yeah. And so, yeah, J- Josuke playing it cool at first. You know, he brings out his stand to, to save this kid. But then Angelo, you know, insults his hair. And so <laughs> Josuke just turns around and punches the rock even more. And Angelo isn't even a guy kind of like poking out of a rock anymore. Now no. he is just the rock. There is a face on this rock he- of sorts. <laughs> This rock looks like it was sculpted in clay by someone who was once told what a face is, but uh, uh, they kind of half forgot. Yeah, (laughs) it's just uh, uh, kind of a a grimace or frown at the bottom of the rock. And then way up at the top are two very teeny tiny eyes set very far apart from each other. And you seriously expect me to believe this rock is a spot for hot makeups? (laughs) Seriously. I don't know, man. Again, I just for these few first uh, the two episodes from last week, I think we've been able to establish the people of Mario Moria are kind of fucking weird. <laughs> Everyone here is just this town is some sort of of quarantine zone where all the <laughs> biggest freaks in Japan just get shipped. That's why the center of town is the train station. That's the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that old lady that was cackling at that hostage situation at the convenience mm-hmm, store mm-hmm. in the previous episode, she was from somewhere else and she got kicked out to Moria like. <laughs> Ladies cackling at everything it is inappropriate to cackle at. 
but I, I like this arrow thing. I'm I'm always nervous about when uh, uh, the supernatural needs to be explained because when does that end, right? Is part five yeah. about what made the arrow? Is part six about what made the thing that made the arrow? I, yeah. I'm always a little reticent about that, but just uh, uh, the way it reinforces that to have a stand is to go through an ordeal. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, compare it to, you know, Holly's sickness that Josuke also shared. Th- does that mean Holly has a stand somewhere? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But but essentially, a stand is what does not kill you makes you stronger with punch ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Even though Jojo occasionally does do something like this, where it's just like, oh, how do, where do stands come from? Or, you know, trying to address questions like that in later parts. It never goes super so deep into it that you're like okay you over explained the cool mysterious thing and now it's not cool anymore mm-hmm. like the arrow and, and other stuff all just kind of reinforces the mysteriousness of the the stands because there's never any real origin point to it i'm going to throw out a theory i'm probably uh-huh. not the first person to have thought of this but the arrow was made by the same blacksmith that created uh the anubis sword oh That'd be cool. And so all stands are the invention of this one real angry Egyptian dude. (laughs) (laughs) That would be cool. Now that he's just a rock, he can't even talk. Mm -hmm. He is just a rock with a weird face on it. And he seems to have lost the ability to control his stand. That's not a threat anymore. But the glove goes limp. So that tells me Angelo's dead. There there might be (laughs) bits of meat inside that rock, but that is a dead man. Yeah, pretty sure. And as Josuke was starting to punch punch Angelo, Jotaro was just <laughs> shouting in the background like, don't fucking do this. <laughs> he had more things to say. <laughs> and then he's just like a little pissed off, but not super pissed off because it's still like, well, this murder rapist is dead now. So you win some, you lose some. <laughs> but yeah, he, he goes on to tell Josuke like, hey, that story Angelo was telling is, is fucking true. Like this Dio dude, again, we fought him a while ago and he super sucked no idea where he got a stand from we got to try and you know find out who this guy in the, the school uniform is and track him down and see if we can mm-hmm. find this bow and arrow so meanwhile koichi is in the library hitting the books specifically the missing persons reports yes 81 people have gone missing recently and that he finds statistically unusual Mm-hmm. Especially since it's the very beginning of the school year. So that's April. That's year to date in April. Wow. Yeah. I don't think they ever say like what the population of Morio is. I'm, I'm really curious because it's not like uh, a shrinking. I tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not like, you know, you see top down all of Morio and it's not a very big place. 45 of them are like younger people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's seven or eight times higher than the missing persons rate in the rest of Japan. It's a lot of missing people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, I like that uh, no one's asked him to do this. He just wants to do detective work on his own. Yeah, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Oh, I should mention that like right before we see, you know, Koichi researching this, we do see Jotaro looking at that photo from Egypt that he mentioned earlier. And it, it is a photo of Inyaba in like a marketplace mm-hmm. holding the bow and arrow. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's all coming together. Oh. Huh. But yeah, Koichi's doing that research and he, he's getting a little shaken up. He's also you know looking over these different newspapers and he sees a, an article about uh, Josuke's grandpa being gonna say murdered but basically no one knows that he was murdered by mm-hmm, by, mm-hmm. by water yeah josuke shows up and it's just like hey buddy let's just hang out let's you know 
let's just, you know, take a walk down this road where a murdered woman was right by, off the side of the road just yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So, so they walk by Angelo Rock and they wave to it and say, yo, Angelo, as they go by. I guess mm-hmm. starting the town tradition that the narrator told us about. Mm-hmm. Yo Angelo is a JoJo meme that's been around for a long time, but mm-hmm. there there are JoJo memes out there that are just memes for people who are annoyed that people go, oh, is this a JoJo reference? And so they're just like mockingly imitating what JoJo fans sound like, they think. And one of them is just constantly saying Yo Angelo over and over again. And that's the only context I've ever seen that in. It is just people <laughs> being bitter about JoJo fans being excited about JoJo. <laughs> I've never seen it in any other context. So, but but as they walk by Angelo Rock toward uh, uh, Josuke's house, where does Kuichi live? I don't know. We'll probably find out soon. Mm. Uh, so, so they're they're walking down the sidewalk, and suddenly there are eyes in the pavement. <gasps> pavement eyes. Ah. Oh. Now, the first time you watch this episode and you see eyes in the pavement, you think, oh, somebody's stand is a sidewalk or something, or it moves through concrete. No, this is just to show that, ooh, somebody's watching them right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something like JoJo. If you see eyeballs manifest in a sidewalk, you think, oh, that's probably actually happening. <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> so j- just before we reach the Higashikata home, there is a creepy abandoned mansion, and uh, Koichi's pretty sure he saw somebody in one of those windows up there, sort of sort of Boo Radley style, hiding away. <laughs> yeah, Koichi's got to stop, you know, stop and go like, hey, I think I saw a ghost or something like that, and... Josuke's just like, I live right down there. I've never seen anybody come here, like, not even to look at the house to buy it. Like, it, there's still a for sale sign up. There's, you know, there's nobody here. Let's let's just go. I would know. Also, shut up about ghosts. Ghosts give me the willies. <laughs> yeah. So this house has, like, a, 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 you know, a brick fence around it. Like a steel gate right in yeah, the front walk. Yeah, kind of thick, heavy steel steel doors. The the hingy kind, not the slidey kind. Yeah. And one of the the doors is ajar just a little bit. And so Koichi is just, you know, he's really curious and he wants to peek into the yard a little bit. So he just sticks his head in between the the little crack between the two doors here. And as he does that, he notices there's a foot just barely poking out inside the yard. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as he's about to, like, say to Jessica, like, hey, there's somebody here, that foot picks up off the ground and then just kicks the the door so now the two gates are just like crushing koichi's neck he's getting choked in a gate and then we cut away the end ah see you soon because there's more important stuff all hands on deck defcon fucking five jotaro is about to meet his (laughs) jotaro's (laughs) about to meet grandpa's mistress oh god oh oh god it's happening everyone (laughs) fasten your seatbelts. Yeah, ding dong, you know, Jotaro's at the door. Josuke's mom answers the door and, you know, being super pissed off, Mm -hmm. you know, without even really looking at who's at the door, she's just kind of talking and says just like, you know, I don't have time for this shit. My dad just died from a stroke. Mm -hmm. Uh, Please fuck off. Oh, wait, who is this? And she immediately mistakes Jotaro as young Joseph. Well, younger Joseph. Younger than she ever knew. I guess she figures Joseph started exfoliating in the last (laughs) 17 Mm -hmm. years. Yeah, Joseph is like one of those uh, soap bars that's got the little dinosaur inside. You just got to (laughs) whittle away at it. Yeah. 
Perhaps there's a little dinosaur inside all of us. Oh. Uh, so she's burying her face in Jotaro's chest, uh, uh, weeping with joy, professing her love on no uncertain terms. In fact, she mm-hmm. says, I love you about 800 times. <laughs> yeah. It's only after saying I love you 800 times that she pulls back for a second and goes like, oh, wait, you're way too young. Uh, <laughs> well, it's more like uh, uh, he says, hey, lady, look at me. I'm way too yes. young. And, and then she, she agrees. Yeah. And then she kind of checks him out. I don't know. You think she's trying to collect the set? <laughs> Does Holly know, swing? Like, what are her odds? What, what are? Come on. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, there, there's a point where, you know, she she realizes, okay, this isn't this isn't Joseph. Jotaro is introducing himself as, you know, his, Joseph's grandson. And she just kind of mentally checks out for a second. Like her eyes are just half-lidded and she's just <laughs> kind of staring at this space, not registering anything that's happening. Yeah, Jotaro's here to to talk to Josuke. But, you know, Josuke is not here right now. So he's just like, OK, I'm just going to come back in the evening when when Josuke is actually here. And at, as he's getting into the car, he stops and, and tells her, Joseph is getting really old now. I know he still cares about you. If he mm-hmm. could, he would be here right now. But I'm here in his stead. And then he drives off. OK, he, there has been much of him, but I already like part four Jotaro so much more than part three Jotaro. <laughs> Yeah. Just because I think him as like a grown uh, globetrotting stand protector is a way more interesting setup than the, the self-conscious teen who learns to smile. Yes. That, that was fun, but this is way cooler. Yeah, I like part four Jotaro a lot. I think part four does a really good job of still making it like, okay, this feels like J- part three Jotaro, Jotaro, but just grown up a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He still feels like he's the same guy. He's just changed a little bit. Yeah, he's he's just really good in, in part four. And I think I prefer his look in, in part four compared to three as well. I, yeah. I like the white jacket. <laughs> so he's driving away to... I don't know, swing back in two hours or so. I don't know his, his schedule. But uh, as, as he thinks to himself about all he's learned about uh, the, the chance that this arrow that, that Enya had is the reason the world exists. Mm-hmm. Whoa. 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 You can tell Jotaro's like concerned. I wouldn't say straight up worried, but concerned that the arrow might be floating around Morio. And, you know, every, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. second that passes by could be more dangerous stand users getting created. And as he, he drives down the road, he makes a right and ends up driving in the opposite direction yep. <laughs> of where Josuke and Koichi are about to get into a fight because we, we are now seeing the guy who has kicked the gate closed on, on Koichi's neck. And this guy, about the same age as uh, Josuke, also a teenager in, in high school, mm-hmm. and his school uniform is dope. It's got medallions on it that are... <laughs> It's double-breasted, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so sort of the opposite of Josuke's chest. His, his very tightly uh, uh, closed instead of wide open. Uh, and yeah, he has on his collar a yen symbol and a dollar sign. Yeah, and he's got another dollar sign on his chest and his sleeves say billion. <laughs> it's just, it's cool. And fr- from the neck up, he has hair very similar to Josuke, but smaller, right? Yeah. 
it's the same sort of pattern on top, but it's it's uh, closer to to the skull instead mm-hmm. of the big overhanging pompadour, but with the same uh, hair trail antenna in the back corners of of you know the nape of his <laughs> yeah. neck. Yeah, and this guy's also got scars, I guess, on his face. He's got two like kind of darker lines that start from his forehead and go all the way down to his chin. They kind of crisscross. They're kind of like it's kind of like an X drawn across his face. Well, no, because they don't cross. They just well, they go don't in quite... toward each other and then bow right. away. It's like looking at the seams on a baseball, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- this guy is now still putting pressure on the door on Koichi's neck he's just mm-hmm. pointing at Josuke and taunting him and insisting that they you know don't trespass on this property because his dad bought the place yeah and as as this is happening there's there's another person up on, on like the third floor of this house they've knocked the arrow mm-hmm. and they pulled it back and they fire it and it is clearly the flashback man that, that we've yep. only seen in shadows both in the flashback and now but that's that's him that's the guy yep and he fires the arrow and it shoots it directly into Koichi's neck. Mm-hmm. And Koichi just passes the fuck out because he's got an arrow in his neck and he's little. <laughs> it's very bad. No one wants the that. arrow. This arrow is as long as Koichi is tall. Mm-hmm. Like the guy in the ground, he he lets go of the door and Koichi just collapses to the to the ground, just twitching, eyes rolled up in the back of his head as this, this arrow is just sticking out of his neck. His eyes have turned completely blank. Yeah. Just white orbs uh, staring yeah. out of his skull. Josuke is worried that Koichi has an arrow in his neck, but he, like you'll and you'll see this throughout the entire show. Josuke shows less concern when people are hurt than anyone else because he knows he can just touch them and they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> like Josuke only ever gets really worried if he thinks they're gonna die before he can reach them. Yeah, yeah. He shows incredible emotional concern over people who are hurt, but yeah. very little like his ticking clock runs at a different speed to anybody else's. <laughs> yes, yeah. That that's what it is. And so Josuke just goes to take a couple steps forward so he can heal Koichi. Uh and this this guy steps in front of Koichi to and to stop Josuke from from doing that. Uh, this guy's name is Okuyasu. Okuyasu Nijimura of the titular Nijimura Brothers. Yeah. And his stand is called The Hand. He's got The Hand Stand He's named the hand for stand. the band. A band stand called The Hand. Uh, <laughs> the band is a, a group that went on their own solo after being the, the backing band for Bob Dylan and mm. before that for Ronnie Hawkins. Okay. The hand also shares some some design similarities with Okuyasu. He's also got the yen and dollar symbols mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on him. They look like little badges he's wearing on his pecs or something. He's another one of those mostly a dude stands, but festooned in uh, ways a dude would not be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to describe the the ribbing around his head. Yeah. So he's another stand that's kind of got a tall cylindrical head with a flat top it's like he's wearing a helmet with the top chopped off so it's just the sides running down the side of his face Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like he's white and blue mainly with some gold spikes on him and all the blue parts look a little bit more like he's wearing some type of armor or like something you wear in american gladiators maybe he looks inflatable to me he does yeah imagining the hand as being a weird inflatable in front of like a car dealership uh (laughs) you know when the hand comes out you also see the palms of his hands and one hand is normal and the other hand has a whole bunch of lines going across it in two massive (laughs) hemispheres calluses with like 
concentric circles and stuff drawn on them. You know the pumps on Nikes from the early 90s? Oh, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. His hand has two of those. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what that is. Okuyasu's big on talking. He loves to taunt. Oh, yes, for sure. And the hand goes in for a punch, but Crazy Diamond is just, you know, super fucking fast. Maybe not as fast as Star Platinum, but, you know, immediately gets the first hit on Okuyasu and makes him start bleeding from the mouth. <laughs> Okuyasu's uh, older brother, who is still, you know, all the way up on the top floor, just just peering uh, from the shadows of this window. You immediately start to get the sense of the dynamic of these two guys. Okuyasu's the dumb one. Yes. <laughs> and this, this other brother is the older wise one. He's angry and severe, where, whereas Okuyasu is, is all about his bluster and, and taunts. Yeah. But the, the older brother is immediately lecturing Okuyasu yeah. like, <laughs> on how to fight with his stand correctly. Also kind of like negging him a bit. like Yeah, like your, your stand terrifies me, but you're a dumbass who doesn't know how to use it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he's trying to, you know, in a way, kind of pep talk Okuyasu into actually killing Josuke. D- this whole time, like, the older brother's being kind of dumb, too, because Josuke has just walked by Okuyasu as the two brothers are talking, and he's just like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's He's gotten straight to Koichi and is about to heal him, but uh, before he could do that, you know, Okuyasu catches back up to him. The hand goes in for a punch with his right hand, the one with the pumps on it. Mm-hmm. Josuke immediately realizes, like, wait, that hand's really fucking weird. I don't want that one to touch me. That seems really bad. Yeah, so rather than risk taking a blow, uh, uh, Crazy Diamond is entirely focused on, like, two fists grabbing the right forearm to, to keep this, this nasty, pumpy hand uh, uh, yeah. away. He's so focused on not getting hit by that, by that hand that uh, the hand is able to like knee Crazy Diamond in the ribs a couple of times and get a couple other like body blows in uh, with his left hand. Mm-hmm. And Josuke like ducks and rolls out of the way as the hand swipes with his right hand and you know Josuke doesn't get hit but that right hand drags across uh drags across one of the the gate doors specifically the door that's got like a do not enter sign on it so so Josuke falls away and at this point this whole fight feels like you're you're I don't know a third of the way through an escape room to me <laughs> you you have a very clear goal and you know what the final steps are but but in front of you there is <laughs> A guy with a weird hand and poor grammar on a sign is somehow very important, yes. and you're not yes. sure why. Yeah, J- Josuke's noticing, you know, the the sign on the door that w- w- that got hit by the hand doesn't read correctly anymore. There's like yeah. a whole character of the sign just missing, but the door looks fine. It's not like the door got chopped in half or something. But you can also see now that like the doors are like shut now, but mm-hmm. the door the doors aren't touching. There's a gap between them now. Turns out, like Josuke puts it together, uh, the hand, whatever its right hand touches, it erases, and then the gap closes. Yes. It's like if you delete the middle of a word and then hit backspace, so there's no space left between the the start Mm -hmm, and the end mm -hmm. of the word. He can do that to space and objects. Yep. And he has no idea where the objects go. They just go into the void. And there are a lot of parallels to Vanilla Ice. Uh, yep. Both in the visual and audio depiction of this erasing, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, Okiyasu and Vanilla Ice share an English voice actor. Oh shit! Really? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, huh. that's neat. I wonder if that was uh, a deliberate choice or it was just like, ah, you work. <laughs> 
So yeah, Okuyasu, now he's he's also like confirming, yes, this is how the hand works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Josuke is, you know, 10, 15, 20 steps away from Okuyasu. He's like on the other side of the street with his back up against a, a, a fence. Okuyasu just keeps swiping at, you know, open air, which, you know, deletes the open air gap between him and Josuke. And it just causes Josuke to get sucked right up to... <laughs> Yes, face to face. And then Okuyasu just keeps punching him, knocking him back, swiping at the air, making and dragging (laughs) Josuke back to him, just punching him over and over. It's so good. And this is what I was alluding to uh, last week when I talked about how part four stands are are really about the manipulation of space and and Mm -hmm. structure. So, So we have a guy who can alter the structure of objects and a guy who can change the structure of the space in between objects objects yeah them coming into contact and and trying to see you know the sort of venn diagram of what they they can and cannot do in relation to one another and how they could interact is really really interesting i hope Mm -hmm. we see a lot of that sort of interaction in the future oh yeah even though this fight is like done in like a third of an episode it's a quick one like it i really like it there's a lot of potential here there's a lot yeah like uh, I, I also enjoy the you know when the empty space is deleted and so uh, Josuke is teleported. He's not the only thing. There, there, there's objects and litter around, including a, a Vud Weiser beer can. <laughs> I didn't notice the notice the Vud Weiser. V U D W A I C E R Vud Weiser. That's good. So, yeah, you know, Josuke's just getting punched over and over and over, <laughs> and he's not sure what to do. But every time he's getting punched back, he's, like, stepping to the side a little bit more. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And the the end of this fight is Josuke turns Okuyasu's power against himself. Uh, he's been, you know, stepping to the side a little bit more until he can get to further to the side where there are some, like, pots for plants on top mm-hmm. of this brick wall, this brick fence, so that when Josuke gets dragged uh, by the hand the next time, those pots also come along with him. And so he just ducks and all these pots fly at Okuyasu, just na- nail him in the face and knock him out. There's this really dynamic shot of the, the pots in flight as they follow this sort of diagonal pattern relative to the frame and they're moving around in in relative position as the camera tries to follow like Mm -hmm. uh in a handheld motion it's like getting a little too far ahead and a little too far behind and and the rim lighting around them it all looks really good and it all looks straight out of mob psycho 100 to me yeah, especially with the the uh, the color palette they're using for that scene too. Actually, yes, yes, yeah, very very reminiscent. Yeah, uh, but so yeah, two flower pots to the face and one to the crotch. Jojos have to crush balls. <laughs> it's the law. They all yeah. do it. Did jo- Did Young Joseph ever destroy anyone's balls? I think so. Did young Joseph ever do that? Because oh, Jonathan threatens to do it. Uh, Jotaro, it's on his criminal record. <laughs> yeah. So at least three out of four, maybe the whole set. I honestly can't remember. Uh, I, I don't I don't explicitly remember J- Young Joseph doing it, but he must have done it off camera at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Young Joseph likes to fight dirty. He absolutely went for some dude's balls at some point. Okiasu with the whole like shaving the gap between us to, to get you... Uh, uh, open for punching, I thought, hey, he's not so dumb. Why is everybody calling him dumb? But mm-hmm. yeah, you, you got to realize if your power is manipulating space, it requires spatial awareness. Maybe he is <laughs> yeah. that dumb. Yep. 
And then Josuke says the wildest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for your reaction to this part. Quote, I guess I better draw out his nap with some gentle asphyxiation. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> He's not knocked out enough. I gotta choke this dude out. Yeah, he go. He gets down. He puts his. He starts to just barely squeeze on Okuyasu's neck until he realizes, oh shit, Okuya or uh, uh, Koichi's body is just getting dragged into the spooky mansion. Oh right, my goal. I forgot. Wait, what? <laughs> when Josuke gets pissed off, he just. I don't know, man. There, there's two boys in this boy, and they they need to communicate better. They got yeah. So yeah, he he runs into the mansion to see that Koichi's been dragged in, in there by the, the older brother, who we finally see, like, out of shadow for the first time. He's got a blonde flat top. Mm -hmm. His uh, school uniform is also sort of double-breasted in the way his brother's is, although his says trillions down the side. Oh, man, got to one-up your younger brother. <laughs> got a 1,000-up your brother. <laughs> <laughs> This guy uh, grabs the arrow still sticking out of Koichi's neck and rips it out because it's just like, yo, there's only one of these. Like, I need <laughs> I need this back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the end of this episode is kind of cutting between Josuke uh, confronting the older Nijimura brother and also cutting back to Jotaro driving in his car, talking to himself about how, like, desperate he is to find this arrow and destroy it before more stand users are created. He's living his Columbo dreams, Detective Jotaro. Mm-hmm. And he gives his new uh, uh, mission statement, essentially, where, whereas Josuke has decided to join the fight to protect the town of Morio for some reason. Vi visit a better town, dude. But, <laughs> but Jotaro's mission is to end stand proliferation. Yeah. He has dedicated himself to getting rid of this arrow before someone who is worse than Dio gets a stand or a stand that is more dangerous than the world gets awakened. And that's a pretty fun escalation, I think, from part three. Like, mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm. you know, we, we don't have any, like, huge central vi villain aside from this Nijimura guy right now. But I do like just, like, the threat of, man, there could be even more fucked up stands. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. I don't want that. I would love to see uh, in the future, I mean, while I'm making requests, mm -hmm. those two goals, they're, they're very complementary right now. They're one and the same in the moment. What if they are not? What, what if they mm. become, what if there's a situation where they are opposed goals? Mm -hmm. I'd very much like to see that. Yeah. Uh, so this leads us to the Nijimura Brothers Part 2, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. starting off the spooky mansion again. An argument over the, the arrow. Yeah, like, hey, don't take that arrow out, he'll bleed out. <laughs> and as they're arguing inside, uh, Okuyasu is starting to wake up already. The, the potted plants did not knock him out for very long. And he overhears his older brother calling him a blockhead and talking about his failings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the older brother is, uh, he brings up a metaphor for why he needs to rip the arrow out of Koichi's throat, which is yes. when you're done listening to his CD, don't you take it out of the player and put it back in its case? <laughs> Everything belongs in its proper place. And this arrow's proper place is not your friend's neck. I have to go mount it on the wall in the attic because that's where <laughs> it belongs. Yep. So he rips it out of Koichi's throat and Josuke starts dashing forward to either beat him up or save Koichi. As he's doing that, 
Okuyasu jumps in and says like, hey, bro, you know, I'm not done yet. I can continue this fight. Well, there's two things that happen in this quick moment. One, the older brother asks like, hey, why are you coming in here? And Josuke essentially does a wordier repeat of Jotaro's line about, well, I got to get closer to kick your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I forgot about that part. There's a direct callback. And two, there are some weird glittering flashes in the darkness, like... Uh, camera bulbs going off in in the Olympic hundred meters or something. Yeah, like high up, like from the ceiling in the mm-hmm, shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josuke as he's running forward sees this and he goes, "Oh fuck!" and he dodges out of the way. And all these glittering lights fire something off. And because Josuke is dodged out of the way, these projectiles or whatever nail Okuyasu in the face, and he gets dozens of like perfectly aligned in a grid wounds all the way up like one half of his face and on his fucking eyeball yeah yeah it's bad it's very bad so that that's when the op for this episode kicks off uh congratulations <laughs> Woo! let's have a party okiasu's dying uh whoops all right all right so then back in the action the older brother refers to this attack uh, uh, of currently unknown nature to be the result of his stand worse company <laughs> Yeah. Can't, Stand is named Worse Company. It can, yeah, it's originally, of course, Bad Company, but that's not allowed. So, what's the best choice, Worse Company? That's an enlightened choice. And I feel <laughs> like, okay, so, so Bad Company, of course, there's the band and their self titled uh, album, whose first single was also called Bad Company. So, <laughs> take, take your pick there at the music reference. But, like, there's a game called Bad Company. Yeah. I think there's a movie called Bad Company. I'm pretty sure you can just say Bad Company. You can just say Bad Company. They wanted to make a dumb joke. That's what I yeah, think. I, I think so as well. Because <laughs> bad and worse will fit in the same lip flap too. So it's not yeah. bad either. You know, <laughs> like. So so yeah, Bad Company, the song often covered, often quoted, including in the beginning of the novel, The Gunslinger. Oh, okay. But, I mean, yeah, between Bad Company, The Band, Crazy Diamond, like, part four is right back to blues rock. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of R&B, a lot of uh, contemporary uh, uh, stuff in uh, part three. Part four, going to our 70s roots. Mm Mm-hmm. Okuyasu is just bleeding profusely from the face now. He falls to the ground. And his caring, loving brother offers a string of I told you so's. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's just like done with his stupid brother's shit. And it almost makes me think the weird lines in Okuyasu's face were given to him by his brother at some point. Like, (laughs) if he's just this cavalier with, you know, Mm -hmm, shooting mm -hmm. his own brother in the face with whatever whatever he's shooting. Uh, The older brother's name, you finally hear it now, by the way, is Keicho. Yes. Josuke is very confused by the weird pattern of wounds on Okuyasu's face. It looks like a digital representation of a natural phenomenon. Yeah. Especially in a moment because uh, uh, Josuke pulls the humidifier trick, but without the Mm -hmm. humidifier, right? He he punches down the wall, grabs his new friend, uh, and and dies out, seals up the wall behind them before another volley from Bad Company lays another... And so, so now, because it's in a wall, you can see the the pattern much more clearly. Mm-hmm. Like it, it reminds me of the ASCII diagrams of petri dish growth in yeah. uh, the Andromeda strain. 
Yeah, that's what that looks like. It reminded me so much of something. I could not put together what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all very square, very even, dot, 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 dot. But, like, there's no uh, clear pattern to the the outline. Yeah. So now that Josuke and Okuyasu are back outside, Josuke's trying to interrogate Okuyasu, like, hey, what is your brother's stand? You gotta tell me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Okuyasu is refusing to, to, to tell Josuke, and he's like... You know, I'll fucking heal all your wounds if you tell me. And he still won't. So he's just like, well, okay, whatever. I'll heal you anyways, because I'm a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so he offers this ultimatum. And then when Okiyasu says no, it uh, the hand of Crazy Diamond first comes down with, as a deadly karate chop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then stops at the last instant. Like, ah, fooled you. You're, you're all better now. Patched you mm-hmm. up real nice. Yeah. But in this uh, uh, cut to outside, there's another transition that I really liked where uh, the camera is inside with uh, uh, the older brother all alone. And then you see Josuke's hands rise up in the foreground and then the background fades uh, uh, along with it to Josuke outside the wall. And then the establishing shot overhead showing the two of them lying in the grass. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, Josuke, by the way, is wounded from this. When he was uh, grabbing Okuyasu to yank him out through the hole in the wall, his hand got shot by bad company. So he's all his hand's all messed up right now. Covered in these pinpricks. Yeah. Uh, so Okuyasu, all fixed up. He, he doesn't believe it. Takes him a second to realize that there's no more holes in his face. <laughs> uh, only the ones he woke up with, I guess. Mm. Uh, and, and so he's confused. He demands an explanation for why his his sworn enemy w- would show him mercy, and he's struck with the revolutionary idea <gasps> that people shouldn't be murdered as generally not a thing to want. <laughs> yeah. Consequentially, one should prevent murders before they occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Okuyasu, uh, I love him. He is... Uh, m- multiple uh, tropes you see in anime and other stories that I are very entertaining to me. He's a big dumbass mm-hmm. who doesn't know what friendship is until <laughs> you show him by beating him up. <laughs> and then he slowly starts to realize. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Josuke is going back into the mansion and he's following Koichi's blood trail. He's been dragged up the stairs. So there's blood just fucking everywhere. The narrator must be so happy that Koichi's unconscious. Like, he's not narrating, oh, but yeah. he has the chance to. There's no one going to steal his spot. There's kind of a funny bit here where Josuke is trying to very quietly, slowly step up these stairs without making a noise. Follow the blood trail, get the drop on on older bro with his flat top and his trillions arm. And, oh. yeah. and then, yeah, Okiyasu basically kicks down the door and screams, fuck your stealth and fuck your friend. I want exposition, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, why'd you do that? Why'd you help me? <laughs> why'd you do that? How'd you do that? Give me all your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and Josuke is just like, hey, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, I need to save my friend. Your brother sucks. If I see him again, I might have to kill him. Don't stop me. Fuck you. Okay, bye. So, so yeah, he creeps upstairs, peeks into a, a door that's open a crack, and sees uh, Koichi lying motionless in the center of this rather large room. Yeah. Totally featureless except for Koichi in the dead center. So, like, obvious bait. Everyone knows mm-hmm. this is a trap, but hey, clock is ticking. I, I got to fix up his his neck hole. And Josuke's like, well, it's got to be a trap. I'm going to go for it anyways. And just as he's about to take a step forward, uh, the hand appears behind Josuke and grabs him by the neck. 
mm-hmm. and it makes it look like you know he's got his right hand up in the air looks like and and okiyasu screaming josuke very antagonistically like <laughs> oh he's gonna do a sneak attack on josuke but no he swipes at the air and deletes that gap so he can just drag koichi all the way up to the threshold of the door so that they can josuke can avoid the trap so yes now now their debt is repaid they're even they even uh gave each other the the fright of their lives before helping one another every <laughs> everybody's perfectly square yep so so koichi has irises and pupils again he's, he's feeling happy and healthy every everyone's good you know josuke does a little like how many fingers am i holding up and you know koichi's good koichi's like missing a little bit of his memories like he just remembers getting shot in the fucking throat <laughs> with an arrow and then nothing doesn't he say he remembers getting a a, a gate in the throat i don't think he even remembers oh, the arrow. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just the gate, actually. So Josuke just wants to get the fuck out. Yes. The only thing left to do is get out of this house. The staircase is right over there. And I'm thinking, like, dude, dude, use your stand to, like, turn the the floor into a slide or something. You don't uh, need the stairs. Yeah. You could just go. You know, as they're observing that, like, Josuke looks up uh, into the shadows near the ceiling and notices something moving in the shadows mm-hmm. and there's some you know some molding uh, on the wall close to the ceiling and he just sees some little figure dash across it yeah it turns out it's a tiny little army man mm-hmm. and small soldiers the the uh, cinematic masterpiece came out in <laughs> yeah. 1998 so they would have frame of reference for this mm-hmm and, and so, yeah, you, you finally see they, they jump out of the shadows. The, the Stand Bad Company is a very small army. Yeah, like, yeah. Like inch high army men, but there's hundreds of them. Uh, and they, they must have incredible unit cohesion for that perfectly square and even bullet pattern. Because like yeah. each one of those shots came from a separate tiny man's rifle. <laughs> damn, damn, they're good. Yeah, uh, you can hear Keicho talking from somewhere you don't know where he is but he he's introducing his stand and and how well uh well disciplined they are mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. J- josuke you won't escape my worst company and so they they just all form up and they just they they were all in the molding and they parachute down to the floor they uh-huh. form up in a nice little grid and then they all just start marching towards josuke so of course crazy diamond comes out and, and starts punching them away but much like last time, you can't punch vapor. You can't punch a swarm. He yeah. takes out a few, but it's it's very little of you know the fighting strength of bad company is affected. Mm-hmm. So Keicho is the the general. He gives them orders like like an army man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Josuke and, and Koichi are dodging gunfire and 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 all this stuff. They they jump into a different room, close the door, and it gets blown up by the the gunfire. And Josuke's like, "Oh, there's a window. We're just gonna punch through the window." And jump out it'll be fine but then out from the shadows in front of the window are very tiny apache helicopters up to this point i'm just trying to imagine this whole scene <laughs> from koichi's point of view like <laughs> he he wakes up in a t- completely different place from where he thought he was a minute ago and then he sees his his friend from school start bleeding out of nowhere and then stare fearfully at the floor for a while <laughs> yeah and like on top of the the tiny Apache helicopters, there are also tiny tanks. 
uh, that start firing at them, and they they're cornered. They're cornered by mm-hmm. by the 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 soldiers and all the the vehicles. Koichi even points out the tanks like coming up behind them. So there are mm-hmm. two options: either Koichi has a stand now, or this is one of them possession style stands. And like, right. and Big Bro just like went to KB yesterday and bought <laughs> himself an army. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, Koichi. You know, says, yeah, I see those tanks. And then, like, a beat passes. And then Josuke's like, wait, you can see those now? Yeah, Koichi can see the tanks. He can see the helicopters. He can see the soldiers, even. When Koichi's describing this, you get to see... Part four is doing a thing the end of part three did with the Dio fight, which is yes. stand users have like different colored auras around them when they are using their stands. Yeah, the primary color of your stand is the color of your aura. Ge- generally, at least. Generally, yeah. Koichi's got like this green aura flowing over him and his eyes are glowing a little bit as he describes how just a moment ago I couldn't see any of this shit and now I can. I kind of wish it was a possession style stand though. That'd be fun. Mm. Then the trillions written down his sleeve would be how much he spent on Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. My stand gets extra power when I paint them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are cornered by, by bad company and Keicho walks into the room now overhearing Koichi describe how he can see bad company now. And he's just like, oh, good. You might have a stand now. You should you should absolutely show me your stand and see if it's the power I'm looking for. Because he's been making stand users for a reason. He won't say it yet, yeah. but like he's been doing this methodically, purposefully. As he is, he, he is talking about this josuke uses crazy diamond to rip out two nails that are sticking out of the wall behind him so he can just pitch them like real fast at at keicho's face but Mm -hmm. uh they are all it's just intercepted by bad company's gunfire like (laughs) keicho essentially has a shield around him because no no projectiles can reach him right right both of them have an offense so strong that it makes an impenetrable defense because uh, uh crazy diamond has likewise been punching all of these tank shells and and apache missiles out of the air constantly <laughs> yeah in a standoff like this there's nothing better to do than talk so mm. uh, uh Keicho's is just like hey hey kid whip it out come on little shrimp i want to see it come on come on yeah you see mine i want to see yours let's go yeah, and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to kill both of you right now, unless you show me your stand, in which case at least Koichi might live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Koichi's just like, what the fuck is a stand? You keep saying that. I don't know what that is. Two, how do I summon a stand? <laughs> Keicho just points at Josuke and just like, fucking tell him how to do it. So apparently the secret to bringing out your stand is a heightened awareness of sorts. Like you have to think really hard about wanting to protect yourself or wanting to kick his ass. <laughs> yeah. Those are the two best paths to summoning a stand. Koichi is feeling the pressure. He's sweating. He's, you know, he doesn't think he can do this. You know, it, basically, he's just complaining, like, this is fucking scary. What the, f- what are you psychos talking about? A single soldier for bad company repel- repels down from the ceiling. A special commando unit. <laughs> yeah. And to give Koichi a reason to feel like he needs to protect himself, this soldier pulls out a fucking knife and starts stabbing Koichi in the face. <laughs> Tiny little stabs. It works. Don't don't argue with results. It works. Yeah. Out of him comes this wispy green egg. <laughs> Koichi also has an egg baby. He is Kakuin's secret son. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big egg. It is about as big as Kakiween's egg, actually. Uh, at least proportional to its mother. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
idea. So yeah, it's just an egg. It's just laying on the floor, not moving. And Josuke's just like, what does it do? What does it do? <laughs> and Koichi's like, again like, I don't know. How am I supposed to know that? Someone tell me what it can do. Yeah. And so like this is a big it's a it's a big white egg but the bottom portion of it has like a random smattering of like just green mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. on it just green spackle. This is like learning to swim by being dropped in the deep end of the pool. <laughs> Except yeah. the pool is full of toxic waste and sharks. <laughs> So yeah, Josuke and Koichi are just looking at this egg just sitting on the floor motionless and it isn't doing shit. But on the opposite side of the egg, the side that Keicho is looking at, he notices the egg starts to crack just a little bit. And he's just Uh like, oh shit, this might be a cool stand. (laughs) That's all I want to know. And then he just like orders bad company to just start killing Josuke. It's it's time for uh, Koichi to learn to defend himself with a stand. And once again... He doesn't know how, so... (laughs) Yeah. So Crazy Diamond kicks the egg like a fucking rugby ball (laughs) in order to send Koichi flying and and get him out of the line of fire, uh, which is great. And and then the the egg dissipates in a puff of smoke that enters Koichi's chest, Mm -hmm. which is a de-summoning sort of thing that we've never seen before in a stand. They usually just disappear. Yeah, they just fade away. They don't go back like a misty Pokemon. Not (laughs) Misty's Pokemon, but Pokemon which are misty, I mean. Right, right. So yeah, now now Koichi and Josuke are, are separated and bad company is going, focusing just on Josuke. So the, the team divided, uh, Mr. Trillions is looming large, and, and the big men are going to do some tough talk about how <laughs> all of their plans are coming together. And oh boy, oh, just you wait, mister. I'm going to get you real good. <laughs> Keicho is specifically saying like this is the, the this is my order of operations my guys are going to shoot you in the legs first so you can't move and they're going to shoot you in the arms and hands and then I'm going to shoot you in the fucking brain uh, uh, and he's just like oh my predictions are are always true and all this shit and as Keicho's doing the big man tough talk Koichi thinks oh my god he has his back to me he isn't even like thinking about me right now this is my chance to fuck him up with my stand as a bludgeon just pick up the egg and break it on him. Yeah, his plan is to just throw the egg at Adam. Real hard. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Keicho obviously knows that Koichi's behind him, so he just like looks behind him and he just fucking backhands Koichi real hard and just sends him flying and that's and that's that. Koichi doesn't get to do shit. I bet he's got submarines floating in the bathtub. Like they never tried oh, to escape yeah. that way, but I, I bet there, there's a bad company navy. Oh yeah, there's gotta be. Keicho and, and Josuke begin their fight. Uh, you know, they're firing tons of tons of gunfire going right for Josuke, but Crazy Diamond could just punch every single bullet out. So, and as Josuke de- describes it, he's like Moses parting the Red Sea of bullets. <laughs> but eventually that that uh, opens him up to a flanking maneuver and he's entirely surrounded. Bad Company uh, ha- has him as if it's the ring and he's the bullseye in a target, right? Yeah, Com- he steps complete- on some tiny landmines. He does. It, and so there you go. There's step teeny, one of the plan, taking out his legs. Uh, and, and he sits down, sort of like legs crossed serenely. Big bro looks at him like, ah, you, whatever you think you're planning, it's too late. I have you now. And and all of Bad Company fires at once. And, and he's just encased in a dome of, of arms fire, which is represented by like yellow streaks with balls on the end. Yeah. And this strikes me as very Jim Steranko, honestly. Mm. A lot of like cool 70s Marvel art would look like this. 
yeah, yeah, I remember this guy's art style, yeah. And yeah, just as all those are, you know, as, as he's basically encased in all this, this gunfire and missile fire, um, it freezes in place and Josuke's like, aha, now I enact my plan. Because uh, when he was getting shot at earlier, he punched a bunch of rockets that were shooting at him. Mm-hmm. They got destroyed, they snapped in half, and he activates Crazy Diamond's power to, you know, reform objects. And all those missiles that he punched that were in pieces reform into missiles that shoot back at Keicho and blow him the fuck up. This is not how I was expecting this fight to go. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting him to fall through the floor, reshape the floor, fall through it, and Bad Company destroys itself in in circular friendly fire. Mmm. That would be cool, too. Yeah, and he was, like, up on the second floor or whatever, so yeah, he could punch through the floor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That would have been cool, too. But instead, uh, uh, Keicho is wrecked by his own missiles that got directed to him and hit him faster than all of the bullets already in the air <laughs> hit Josuke. Yeah. Whatever. That brings us to episode five, the Nijimura Brothers part three, uh, as uh, uh, Keicho is KO'd, uh, but Koichi wants to get that damn arrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And also Okuyasu's outside watching his home explode. And he's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they, they just leave Keicho bleeding out like mm-hmm. on death's door. They And yeah, he... They, they start looking for the arrow. There's a whole extra floor they haven't been up to yet. Yeah. Josuke wants to just bounce and get out of here, but Koichi is insistent that uh, this arrow is too important to leave behind. Uh, whatever it's doing, he, he doesn't want anybody to be shot in the neck. That sucked. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they know from, you know, the, the meeting on the lawn, there is a papa in this family. So mm. they begin playing some sort of extreme rules version of Don't Wake Daddy, trying to sneak <laughs> through the house and find yeah. where the arrow is. And as Koichi is ascending the stairs, Josuke is thinking to himself, like, damn, this guy is really courageous, actually. Yeah. Uh, as Koichi's, like, going up the stairs, like, profusely sweating. He's scared shitless, but he's still doing it. Go forth, small hero. Our grand bite-sized protector will save us. <laughs> Josuke, you know, puts his hand on Koichi's shoulder, which also scares the shit out of Koichi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just goes like, okay, man, like, you, you got balls. I got your back. Let's go up there. And uh, they get up to one room in the attic, and they hear a strange noise that sounds like a recording taken at a hog farm? Yeah. It's it's a weird, bestial, like, grunt. And that that grunting noise is our our, uh, small cliffhanger into the OP. Back in the present, they've climbed through what I was sure was going to be a booby trap. Mm. Uh, On the stairs ahead of them, there was this shaft of uh, light hitting the stairs very ominously. And now they're just above it. So I guess uh, that, that was <laughs> yeah. a misdirection on my part. No issue. Okay. Yeah. And and they peek into this door, the door that has the, the sound emanating from it, and see the bow and arrow hanging on the wall. And the, the sound continues to come out. Sound that's like they're filming the Austin Powers toilet scene inside. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're just a few months from the spy who shagged me hitting theaters, baby. Oh my God, you're right. That's when Koichi go, uh, uh, works up his nerve to go inside, and he gets grabbed by a ghoulie. Yep. A big, weird, chunky, green, clawed hand with, like, boils all over it, I guess? Lumps upon lumps upon lumps. Lumps. Lumpy. Seeing this big, lumpy, green hand, they also hear the sound of, like, chains dragging. Whatever's in there is chained up. Mm-hmm. And Koichi starts to get starts to get dragged into the room by his by his ankle by this thing. Uh, so Crazy Diamond pops out and punches this this arm and just completely severs the hand from the arm. Gross green goop spurts everywhere. 
Joseph K. insists he did not intend to punch the, this hand off, uh, uh, but it's okay. He's getting better. It grows right back. Yeah, this this weird, lumpy green guy, like, skitters across the room. He's chained by the neck. He's a weird green swamp thing, kind of. Wearing a red t-shirt and shorts. And the, the back of the t-shirt has three classic glass bottles of Coca-Cola for some reason. <laughs> yes, yeah. And there there's stars on his outfit. Very, yeah. like, yellow on red, like, Steven Universe stars. Yeah, yeah. Both Josuke and Koichi are just, like, stunned. Like, what the fuck is this thing? And they just sit there. And Keicho comes upstairs and is like, oh, I see you've met Dad. <laughs> yeah. As, as his dad, like, skitters over to where his severed hand was uh, and grabs it, skitters to the other corner room and just starts, like, chewing on it. Just starts eating, eating his own hand. This started as a stand fight and became a Goosebumps book somewhere along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, Ko- uh, Keicho is, is walking in and uh, he walks right over to the bow and arrow hung up on the wall and says, like, my dad needs this. I will not let you have this bow and arrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is where Keicho starts to talk about what his actual goal is. His goal is to shoot all the toughest dudes he can find to find someone bad enough to kill his sad dad. Yep. Keicho starts saying, like, oh, my dad is super healthy. Like, you know, he fucking regenerates. Minus the warts. My dad's super fucked up. He's this weird monster goblin guy now. Josuke's just like, you know, is there a cure for him? Maybe, you know, maybe my crazy diamond can cure him or something. No, the only cure is death. Yeah, I can only kill my dad. Because, like, yeah, he... (laughs) Bad company can't kill his dad. The hand can't kill his dad. He's done so many different ways to kill his dad. He's cut him to pieces. He's crushed him. He's done everything. And his dad just always regenerates into this hideous blob monster. There's a little TV in this attic. What's dad watching up there? Yeah. Is he into friends? (laughs) Just watch a lot of baseball, maybe? Is there a Japanese dub of Friends? I know <laughs> there, there has th- to be. There is for Seinfeld, so Friends would is there's got to be. Seinfeld was off the air by now, but you know I'm sure the the it was still in syndication. Oh man, I'm gonna look that up later. K- Kate Show says I just want my dad to die normally via stand murder. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is where he name drops Dio, and my first thought is ah, is this a flesh bud gone wrong? And the answer is yes, I I was correct. Uh, But but it takes a while to get there. When Keicho and Okuyasu were little kids uh, back in 1988. This flashback is framed with a digital uh, clock going (laughs) back to 1988 in the corner. And all of the vibrant part four colors are back because so much of this three-parter has been inside this abandoned house with no lights on. Yeah, yeah. So they they lived in Tokyo as kids. And this was... 1988 so this is back when the the bubble economy was was happening and everyone Mm -hmm. was was uh riding high but their dad was like super poor he was having really bad luck with with his businesses uh their mom passed away from being ill he was a child beater he was a child beater keicho says quote he was a total loser yep and, but then all of a sudden, one day, dad hit the high life again, and he was getting rich, and everything was going good. And that's because their dad had a stand, and he pledged his allegiance to Dio. 
So yeah, just be lucky Avdol or whoever didn't orphan you, kid, okay? Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so yeah, their, their dad was getting paid in jewelry and all this other fancy shit from, from Dio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then one day, basically the exact same day or just like a week or so after Dio was killed at the end of part three, you know, their dad still has Dio's flesh butt in him. But with Dio dead, it just goes like wild inside of him and it causes him to mutate into this weird green goblin swamp thing that he is now. Constantly regenerating, but destroying his brain. Uh, so he's unkillable. But is is this truly life? Yeah, yeah. So ever since then, Keicho has been doing research into stands and powers that might be able to finally kill his dad and he found out about and acquired the arrow just about a year ago and so yeah. that's when he started trying to make the most powerful murderous stands to to euthanize his uh monster dad yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> but all the dad has been doing is just crawling around in this crate for the last like 10 years yeah there's like this old chest and Keicho just, like, uh, uh, anytime he goes to the crate, Keicho grabs the this chain and yanks it and just starts beating him mercilessly. And at this point, if I'm uh, Josuke, I'm gonna just going to pipe up and be like, yeah, I hear my mom calling. I got a <laughs> good good luck with all your, your shit, but I mm, homework. What are you going to do? Oh. Yeah, oh. Mom's ringing the dinner bell. Like, I can yeah. hear it all oh, the way up ah. here. It's more like a dinner klaxon. It's it's super loud. I got mm, uh, bye. Mm, I got I got <laughs> my nephew is in town. For, I don't know. Uh, e. My ten years older nephew. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, Josuke is not me. Josuke sees what uh, this this monster father is scrambling around in the crate for some weird scraps of paper. So he mm. calls out Crazy Diamond to destroy the crate. Mm-hmm. That is the end of you, crate. Be gone. <laughs> but but also to reform the crate and the, these scraps of paper into a family photo. Ah, perhaps a human heart still beats in this monster's chest. Oh, yeah, because the, the monster dad looks at the the photo and just like starts crying. Like like mm-hmm. waterfalls just streaking out of just launching out of his tear ducts. And it is a family photo from years, years ago, but before their mother passed. It's the the two brothers and their two parents all in a group hug, playing with toys. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say young Keicho in the photo almost looks like a young Stroheim. Yeah, yeah. He's got the same kind of hair. He's got the guile hair. And uh, young Okuyasu doesn't have his face lines. So yeah, they they must have come sometime from something. He wasn't born with them. And as all of this is happening, Okuyasu is right outside this room, just like silently crying himself. Even if we had done the first three episodes, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have had a chance to talk about this. So I'm I'm glad we have a chance to now. But Mm -hmm. like... The thing about uh, Josuke is that Crazy Diamond fixes what's broken, and Josuke tries to do the same for people. Yeah. Like, he he is interested in justice and healing, whereas so many of our previous heroes have been about, you know, punishment and retribution. <laughs> yeah. Th- that is an element of Josuke that, that goes throughout the, the whole series, and it's it's like my favorite bit of, of Josuke, and like mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. thing that makes him the most different from every other JoJo, really. Three fights down, only one guy got killed, and it's because he wouldn't stop trying to suffocate children. He just couldn't <laughs> help himself. Yeah. There's a limit for Josuke, and it's when you just won't <laughs> stop trying to suffocate children and kill my mom and kill my grandpa and everyone Quit else. It. God. 
God, fucking just, stop. Just be a happy rock. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Think about what you did. Fine. You're dead. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> and yeah, this is the, the little commercial break where we get a, a little uh, stat card for the hand. It's mm. all right. Again, the, the stats are meaningless, but it really feels like if Okuyasu was a smarter guy, you wouldn't even need to, you know, just erase gaps to bring people to you. Like, when they're there, what if you just swipe, like, at their midsection? They're dead, right? Well, he tried that, but Crazy Diamond grabbed the forearm. Yeah. That like, was his opening move. <laughs> I guess that was his opening move. You're right. It just feels like his attack power should just be, like, infinity. Because <laughs> whatever he touches is gone. Like, it's absurdly powerful, but... Keicho is, is coming down off of his monologue talking about his recent measures, saying, quote, I've already slaughtered countless people in this town. Bro, it's been a year. <laughs> yeah. Countless people? I thought Angelo worked fast. Come on. Like, how many of these 81 people or whatever that are missing since the start of this year like just four months was you it's got to be most of them right whoops guess he didn't have a stand either uh-oh ah uh, shit josuke is trying to tell keicho like it's fucking over dude give me the bone arrow like you know we'll try and find something for your to to help your dad mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you've got to stop fucking killing people with a bone arrow from thousands of years ago <laughs> Yeah, Okuyasu comes in. He is clearly down with this plan. Like, what if we try, like, healing instead of hurting my oh. new thoughts in brain? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Keicho is still pretty in deep. Like, once you kill countless people, it's hard to be told you didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, better just keep on killing countless people, because otherwise I'm going to look back at what I've done and feel real bad. <laughs> Of course, this is more evidence that Morio is the most fucked up place in the world because <laughs> he's been hunting for the worst criminals and deadliest people. He's only been finding people in Morio. He has not left town. Yeah, yeah. Like, what other fucking freaks are there? This is some sort of penal colony that doesn't know it for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's the big twist of part four. The, the camera pans out far enough and there's just jail bars around the whole city. <laughs> Uh, Okuyasu has got one hand on the bow uh, and is trying to take it from Keicho and Keicho just says you know what you're not my fucking brother anymore fuck you I'm gonna keep shooting people with this cool bow and arrow <laughs> and as Josuke is just kind of like watching the family drama from afar he gets like a weird like chill up his spine and he looks up there's like a sunroof like a you know there's a window on the ceiling and he looks up and there's just like a silhouetted figure there's a skylight snoop a snoop on the skylight ah. yeah there's just some fucking dude and then like the instant Josuke like looks at this guy he just like slithers away and he's just like hey who the fuck is this is there another fucking member of this family I don't know about is there an uncle you got a weird <laughs> uncle I am a weird uncle I deserve to know <laughs> god yeah Josuke is a weird uncle huh they all reassure him that no it's, it's just the three of us uh, I don't know what you thought you saw and then an outlet starts crackling a power outlet the revenge of Bastet ah uh -huh. And a weird electric bird chicken man shoots out of it. I do not like this electric chicken. I find <laughs> his face displeasurable. He kind of looks like he has the top half of the egg he hatched out of as a hat. I was going to say the, like, skull plate of a pachycephalosaurus. That too, yeah. <laughs> so this weird electric chicken man who kind of looks like... The, the character design of this guy, the stand, looks like it's borrowing some design elements from Dragon Ball Z. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He looks kind of sort of related to, like, Frieza in some way. I don't know. 
but he's got a weird beak mouth and he shoots out of this outlet and he drives his fist clean through Keicho's uh, back and out through his stomach. I was going to say original design gyro gear loose, but he had some hard times. <laughs> Real rough years. <laughs> and so now that Keicho uh, has an electric bird arm through him, uh, he is uh, getting like electrified by this. He tries to pull out a bad company to fight back, but he just gets like more, even more electrocuted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the stand uh, who introduces himself as Chili Pepper... Red Hot Chili Pepper in the original. Yeah, yeah. There, there goes that whole blues rock resurgence in the naming. We're, we're back to <laughs> very, very contemporary for the time this was written. So Chili Pepper starts to pull back into the electrical outlet, and Keicho starts to get turned into, like, electricity itself, and he starts getting pulled into the outlet along with Chili Pepper. And his last words are just berating his brother. <laughs> Yeah. For a dude that's all about his family, he seems to not like them very much. Did he murder his mother when he was six? Oh, God, maybe. Although I should, we, we should mention, right, like, right as Chili Pepper is emerging from the outlet, Okuyasu was closest, and Keicho goes, oh, shit, and he says, like, get your head out of your ass, and he punches Okuyasu out of the way, saving him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keicho gets dragged into the power outlet as electricity. Josuke does a cool-ass jump to punch through the window on the ceiling and uh, the sunroof. And and we see Keicho has been roasted alive on the wires. Uh, yeah. he, he is no more. So now it's just Okiyasu and dad in this big old lonely house together. Yep. You know, after Okiyasu is, has seen his like fucking fried crispy brother draped over power lines, mm-hmm. uh, he talks about like, man, my brother really fucking sucked. But in his last moments, he did try to save me, right? He did one good thing, right? Like, you know, just trying to look for, for comfort in that. And Josuke agrees, let, lets him have that, that comfort and, you know, do as he did, not as not what he said. Because, uh, uh, oh yeah. boy, what a rude fella. We leave this scene with one last, like, grunting wheeze moan from uh, Papa Nijimura that I yeah. swear sounds like the word Paki. Like he was asking for a treat. Yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what he was saying there, too. Oh, I guess I should mention that another thing that happened uh, when Keicho was was being dragged to the outlet, this stand user, you know, Red, Red Hot Chili Pepper, mm-hmm. his stand was given to him by being shot by the, the arrow. Yes. Uh, and he said, you know what, Keicho? I want the bow and arrow. Fuck you. I'm taking it. So the bow and arrow is still in play and is now missing. Yeah. It, it is wherever this unknown stand user is. Yeah. If there's a mystery, we got to get to our wandering detective. That's right. It's time for a Jotaro scene back at the hotel. <laughs> and he gets crank called. Do not do that. People have died for less. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? <laughs> so, yeah, who, whoever the stand user of Red Hot Chili Pepper is, they've just straight up called Jotaro and said, like, hey, you should just leave Morio. I've got the bone arrow and, you know, I've already killed Keijo Nijimura. I can kill you too. You know, I can kill Josuke and all these other people. But if you just leave, like, I won't do any of that shit. And so uh, uh, he uses his Columbo skills and just lets the dude talk as much as he want and and pieces together some clues, like the fact that uh, this anonymous stand user mentions his exams coming up. Yes. Yeah. uh, And and Jotaro is just like, oh, so you're a student. And this guy just goes like, "Uh, uh, no, I don't. What? And then the phone explodes. Yeah. And then the phone (laughs) blows up. Uh, so yeah, whoever is the, the, the new kind of mystery villain here also seems like he's a bit of a dummy, maybe. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now Jotaro's just got to like yell down the hall, hey, room service, it happened again. Uh, yep. Can I get a wireless one this time, maybe? <laughs> And yeah, like the 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 very end of the of Jotaro's scene here is the the phone has exploded. It's split in half. It's smoking. It's you know it's charred to a crisp. And he just grabs some tea and sits down and just starts drinking. If you want to make him feel feelings, you have you have to make him journey halfway across the world. That's the rules. Yeah. That is the base requirement. You have to kill multiple of his friends and threaten his grandpa, and then like <laughs> you'll get a little bit of something out of him, maybe. But that's not quite the end. It is the next day. Uh, Josuke is getting ready for school. He's running a little behind because he's a teenage boy. Uh, uh, and then there's a knock on the door, and who is there but his his neighbor, his next door neighbor, Oyakasu. Okiyasu. Yep. Like, you get a very brief shot that looks like that maybe a couple extra days had passed because uh, Keicho had been buried. There's like a headstone for that's, stuff. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. So enough time has passed that Okiyasu is back to his old cheery self. He's still living in the haunted mansion with his, his goblin dad. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, hey, it's time to go to school. Come on, buddy. <laughs> I'm your friend now. See, see, Jojo, the problem with making so many friends is then they're all your friends. Yeah. <laughs> This is the first time Okiyasu has had a friend. He doesn't really mm-hmm. understand distance yet. And, and like, yeah, he is very over enthusiastic and like maybe not clingy, but annoying almost. <laughs> you know, Josuke was still getting ready for school. And so, you know, Josuke's mom sees, sees Okiyasu and is like, Oh, are you a new friend? Come on in, come on in and have some, some tea or coffee or whatever while Josuke gets ready. And then Okiyasu goes, Hey, your mom's hot. And then he walks in. <laughs> Everyone agrees. Everybody knows. Which reminds me, this is why I meant to say last last podcast, man, it is a shame that Kakyoin isn't alive for this because he would have loved Josuke's mom. <laughs> <laughs> it seems the whole world loves Josuke's mom. Yeah. Uh, the, the continued tradition of all JoJo's having to have a really hot mom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Poor, poor Jonathan. His, hot, his mom was too hot to live. Yep. So, yeah, Okiyasu walks in and Josuke just kind of like puts his back up against the door and just like slinks down to the ground. And and that's the end of the episode. That is it. That brings us to the end of today's agenda. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second titled three-parter in in, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure anime. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I mean, not quite as climactic as Dio's world, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I think it's kind of interesting that like part four starts off very soon with a big long three-parter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. excuse me compared to other parts it like gets into like the meat of things very quickly usually like setting up the plot takes two episodes or something and this one took five yeah yeah yeah, to, yeah. to get there but yeah what do you think of these three episodes you were talking last week about wanting to get more of wanting to get more of koichi you know demonstrating his character through action and mm-hmm. when he's not unconscious in this three-parter <laughs> that's exactly what it is yeah like koichi is the real driving force between a lot of the action except for the middle bits when there's an arrow in his neck <laughs> yeah so, like, you know how part three, Polnareff was a really big focus just because it seems like Iraqi really liked Polnareff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not to the same degree in part four with Koichi, but Koichi is kind of the Polnareff in that he gets a lot of action and, like, character moments. Like, mm-hmm. a very different character for Polnareff, though, for sure, because he's just a tiny little baby guy. <laughs> but he's so brave. Yeah. He, he's this incredible mix of bravery and cowardice. Yeah. He knows what is right, and he's by golly going to do it, but boy, does he spook easy all the same. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's a lot of fun. 
yeah, Koichi's really fun. I like him a lot. They, they do a lot of uh, fun stuff with him throughout throughout part four. And I would say is clearly the, the favorite character of Araki for part four. But then later on, Koichi gets replaced with a new favorite. <laughs> I'm very excited for that character to eventually show up. But yeah, Koichi's great. Now we've got Okiyasu being introduced as a new friend of, of Josuke and like, you know, We've been seeing the OP the whole time Okuyasu has been there as one of the main friends. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for him to meet Koichi and like talk and stuff because they are two very different kinds of sidekick, very different yeah, yeah. styles of friendship with uh, Josuke. And I, I, ooh, I want to know what their dynamic is, you know, fill out the, the triangle. Mm-hmm. I feel like of the three of them, Koichi's the only one that could be friends with Jotaro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. The only one he would accept. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we've also got the the extra fun little bit with, with Koichi of seeing like what the fuck his stand is, because it's just an egg. Mm-hmm. There's something about Koichi and his egg stand that really makes makes it feel like it's a Digimon. I mean, yeah, just, just being an egg. Being an egg. You, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, all, all the egg stuff with Koichi. <laughs> egg stuff is pretty good, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've kind of gone from, like, one mystery of Angelo to, ooh, the mystery of the arrow to, uh, like, almost restarting the mystery of the arrow again, because we got to see it, and now it's gone again. Right, right. Now now we see the full shape, at least uh, the, the next full shape of, of the part. Yeah. The arrow is our goal, and it's going to hot potato from dangerous person to dangerous person until something gets done about it. Right. Yeah, I'm really excited for basically every episode. There isn't really too much in part four mm-hmm, where I'm mm-hmm. just like, ah, it's, it, you know, uh, there, there's no real Wheel of Fortune st- style part of part four from what I remember. It's, it's all pretty decent. I should also mention something I, something I really like about part four is that whenever Jotaro's doing stuff, that's they bring back music from part three mm-hmm, mm-hmm. only for Jotaro. <laughs> Everything else is like new stuff. Well, you know, this new generation and their, their crazy music. <laughs> or kids listening to these days this, these red hot chili peppers they don't even have their clothes on when they're on stage oh what is God. this this is too much dancing around just wearing a sock on their bits oh my goodness <laughs> i like how part three is tied to part four where you don't really you could go into this without even seeing part three basically get the gist and you're fine yeah 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 and it is kind of a fun way to tie it in without it just being like, hey, Dio's back. You know, <laughs> it, it is more interesting to me than that. Mm-hmm, kind, mm-hmm. Of, kind of just seeing the aftermath of like what happened. There must have been even more Dio lackeys and what happened to them. Well, they turned into weird mutants. <laughs> Dio's not back, but Dio has ripples, right? It, it's yeah. a way to uh, both enhance his effect on the world, but also leave him in the past. Yeah. There's other things I, you know, other pieces of media I've seen where they had like a really iconic villain that they kill and they're like, fuck, how do we keep his presence in? The thing I'm mainly thinking of is the Saw movies where they kill Jigsaw in the third fucking movie and they have to keep trying to think of a way to have him be in the movie still. Yes. Um, Yes. And Jojo does a much better job at that than the Saw movies do, which is just constantly, well, here's another person who really liked Jigsaw. Let's have a flashback to a time when they hung out with Jigsaw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it sucks. All of JoJo kind of has ripples from from what Dio did in his couple of years in the 80s where he was around. And it, it's it's always cool to see like how he affected stuff in the story later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 80s changed everything, really. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dio was a big part of that, honestly. Mm-hmm. The the chart of like uh, uh, the wealth 
gap and the arrow doesn't point to Reagan's election. It points to Dio being resurrected. <laughs> oh, I want to see that graph now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. The bubble economy crashing in, in, in Japan was just because of Dio's death. I mean, yeah, all, all of those uh, high-powered uh, uh, traders that, that were just fueling the churn, they turned into green goblins. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to see that in the history books, but it happened. <laughs> all those goblin people. So we will be back next week talking about episodes six, seven, and eight. Mm-hmm. And the next one is named after Koichi, so I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to that. More Queechee's always good, so I'm excited to see that next mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll hit his growth spurt by the end of the season. Oh, oh yeah, imagine if he's as big as a JoJo by the end. <laughs> he goes from being two feet to seven feet. The way you talk about a six-foot-tall teenager is very strange, considering I was one. <laughs> <laughs> I have been so used to being short that anyone taller than me is abnormal. <laughs> but with that, uh, we'll see you next week, folks. To be continued. To be continued.